0: Canine Detection Collaborative! A Detection Dog Training Trio! With Stacey Barnett! Hi! Robin Grubo! Hey there! And Crystal Wing! What's up? With humor and a big dose of theory, our trio talks practical training advice and features interviews with top trainers and scientists. It's Canine Detection Collaborative!
1: Hi, this is Stacey Barnett from Canine Detection Collaborative, and this is a really fun podcast. So first of all, I'm here with my lovely co-host, Robin Grubel. Hello, everybody. And we have a fantastic guest today, That somebody that I've known for quite some time and so thrilled to have her on the podcast with us. We have Jill Kovacevich from Mountain Dogs out in Colorado. Hi, Jill. Hi, everybody. How's it going?
2: Very well, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you just got off uh, a plane, a long flight. Let's introduce you, find out like who you are, and then I want to find and what you do, what you do, do? who you are, (laughs) what you do, and then we can go kind of go from there. Sure.
0: Okay. So you're in Minnesota. You are doing Colorado. It's the west. Colorado. It's okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's a thing. (laughs) It is. So where in Colorado are you? My office is in Avon, Colorado. I live in McCoy. Avon is in Eagle County, which is the ski resort county in the middle oh. of the state. So Vail, Beaver Creek is okay. all around me. Yep. And that's and I live remotely. So
0: remotely. Yeah. Stacy was talking, she she's like, "Well, I'm going to Colorado to go do a summit." And I think that's probably yours a lot yeah. that she's driving out there to do. Very correct. Yes. So, so how did you get into nose work? How did you get yeah. to what you're doing?
2: Well, the story I think the story is very similar to a lot of folks who even in our present day are doing nose work, right? We, we find out about this very cool sport in a very weird way, decide that we want to try it, have no idea what we're doing. And then it just becomes this geeky dedication that you cannot saturate yourself with enough of. And you find yourself almost 12 years later still doing the same wonderful thing of sharing your dog's scent detection capabilities as a teammate, hopefully. But So I, with my last dog, and I got him up through Elite Champion in NECSW, and he was just starting to compete at a couple of summits. We got a couple of search placements, but didn't get to the point because he passed during COVID. And so from him, though, we have his next protege, of course who is now at at level three in NACSW. But I became very embedded in NACSW kind of early on. And it was more just because that was the organization that had the education arm and had the competition arm. Mm-hmm. And since then, though, I've come, become very much a big, big fan, very embedded in the organization in terms of multiple hats. If I start switching mm-hmm. hats, and we'll get to that later as to what all my hats are. Yeah, we definitely want to hear about that. Yeah. So what happened was I was just doing some dog training with Digger, who was that my then uh, pup at the time with a dog trainer. And of course, sometimes us as dog trainers doing just obedience and leash class say, geez, your dog really needs something to do.
1: You should find, right?
2: You should find. (laughs) Yeah. yeah." Well, I always, you know, I always kind of cringe, quite frankly, when I have a referral that is so-and-so said, my dog needs a job. Always <laughs> so kind of like, oh, Lord, Uh-oh. what is the handler expectation of that? Right. And we get a look at the dog and, and the dog is usually like, it's all fun. I don't know why we have to refer to it as a job or my dog needs work. Yeah, but Anyway, so having border collies and I had them all my adult life, I got involved in a group of people who were doing training in the local park, doing leash training, a lot of obedience. Mm-hmm. I actually tried to become a therapy dog with this border collie. So, and at our certification, we got is not ready. <laughs> and that totally broke my heart. And the oh, reason- he, Totally get we were, it. Yeah. Too busy. Yeah. Oh my God. The reason we were not ready, he yodeled at the audience when he came in. He jumped up on the evaluator and licked him. He um, then continued to- Do the things that Digger did, which were very fun and lovable, but not suiting for a therapy dog, right? Yeah. yeah, So, yeah. But through that, I met some wonderful people who, one of them went off to Pennsylvania, came back with a tin with Q tips in it, Mm -hmm. literally said to us, This is a new dog sport. And this is 2010. Okay. This is a new dog sport. You take this tin and you train the dog to find this tin. Mm-hmm. We had no idea how to do it. Yeah. We had a group of girls who met every Friday night. It was more of a little exchange social hour. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Wasn't any drinking involved at uh, that the time. While yep. there could have been, right? We would put the tin in the middle of the training room. We would let one dog in. Thankfully, we knew to only let one dog in. <laughs> right, um, right. And then we would just chat and chat and chat. And someone would say, hey, I think your dog's on that thing. <laughs> i I think we're supposed to go over and like reward that oh no and we're like okay so we would go and reward it yeah then miracles would have it joe marie o'brien went to denver to do an intro to nose work seminar okay one of our gals went and attended she came back and said oh my god we're doing this all we're doing it all wrong yeah all wrong you have to start (laughs) over
1: so of course we
2: do (laughs) but we were kind of already on odor. We didn't really know much about introducing primary, blah, blah, blah. So we just jumped on it from there, attended a lot of seminars. And by the time I think I got to, Dana Zinn is a founding uh, faculty member down in Denver. By the time I got to 2011, I was hooked. And with most of my sports, I'm also a ski instructor in an earlier lifetime and a scuba dive instructor. Wow. Not in the same location. mm -mm. No, <laughs> no, not at all, right? <laughs> being, in the, being in the winter, diving in the summer. Whoa. Anyway, I became very interested almost immediately in becoming an instructor. Yeah. yeah. So went through the CNWI program back in the day when we had to travel miles to do that. And it took uh-huh. a considerable amount of time. Finally accomplished that in 2014. Uh-huh. Then I kind of competing with a dog became difficult in rural Colorado. Uh-huh. There were no there weren't that many trials, right? Yeah. So I just started out first helping with facilitating venues just to find a facility. Mm-hmm. And then I turn it over to other, other people to, to host the trial. Then I went, I can do that. That's mm-hmm. not that tough, right? Mm-hmm. So now I'm up to almost 13, 12 or 13 trials a year. So that's when in your last, one of your last podcasts. Oh, no, it was the one where you interviewed Amy Haro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amy uh-huh. is one of the founders of NACSW. Yeah. And I think that Robin concluded there saying, hey, we need more of these trials. Who's yeah. going to yes. step up and do them? And I was like, I already am. Maybe yeah. I should. And for so many times, I've thought, if I could just light a fire under other people yeah, as to how to do this, the best way to do it. Because sometimes the best way to learn is through yeah. hosting an event. Yeah. And volunteering and that's when you get to see the 30 times three, 150 dogs working odor and yeah. learn on the sport side and on the pet companion side how our dogs are so fantastic at what we are asking them to do. So that's kind of how I got started doing mountain dogs. I, I have a challenging time keeping good students I shouldn't say that. That's kind of terrible. Why would I call them good students? Every student's good. Keeping students able to attend classes in my area mm-hmm. where I don't have to drive. So right now I actually drive to teach. Wow. I will drive up to 2 hours to teach classes. Wow. So that gets pretty challenging, so the hosting of events is a mainstay in terms of my yeah. revenue and bringing in money as a dog as a dog event host and dog trainer. So that's kind of how that got proliferated. Mm-hmm. And I have be- we've become, we have this fabulous team. And I mean, I import, I pay people to come be my VC, wow. to come and be my score room lead. And it is worth it because we have this amazing team. We can get, it's just, we've got it down to a science where we each think of each other's thoughts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every competitor feels very confident and comfortable when they're competing. They don't the chaos that's going on behind the scenes even when there is chaos they will
1: attest to that <laughs>
2: right and that makes <laughs> it makes for such a much better competition for the handlers so that the dogs can do what they do well yeah i really that whole stress going down the leash and if you've done all of your training in preparation and mm-hmm. then you come in and the event is chaotic right now you're and to say well that's just the way it is and you need to get used to it i think we need to do a better job i think we need to do a far better job if we're going to have this contingency out there of people who really are working at understanding scent detection work yeah. even on a sport basis which sometimes feels like it's really not the end of the world you know world we're not saving people or preventing people from dying from drugs but I think the engagement of what's going on. And Mm -hmm. I like to say we're actually perpetuating the olfactory DNA. We're helping maintain that that absolute intelligence in our dogs Mm -hmm. by creating um, a sport that can take on so many companion dogs, all shapes and sizes. Yeah, And then you also have to be very amazed when you see some of our handlers step out. Even at, I just got done with teaching at Pennsylvania camp Mm-hmm. in the Poconos for dogs, of course. Absolutely wonderful experience. And one of our... That's the reason why you're jet lagged. Yes. yes, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The brain is thinking things in, I don't know if it's engaging yeah. the mouth, right? Yes, right. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Totally. So we had one camper who has some considerable disabilities. Mm-hmm. And for her to come out and want to be there with her dog. I mean, she actually has to have somebody kind of help her Uh to the start lines, Uh bring her dog to the start lines. She is, and to just bring her that experience rather than say, no, you need to be at home doing nothing. Yeah. That is really where you start to see where our sport can go. I mean, we do have that top end of high level competition, high level handlers, high level dogs. But then on this other continuum, you've got this opportunity to open up the world for a lot of people who can't really figure; they can't really keep up with source drive. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah. So if, yeah. if
2: we're just building, if our goal is to always build source drive in every dog we see, we are doing a disservice to a lot of a lot of handlers who just want to have the joy of what we do.
1: It, it is an all-encompassing
2: sport. It really yeah.
1: is, amazing. and and I've. I granted, I do have some high-drive, pretty intense dogs, but I also have why. I mean, I don't know. You remember? You host actually. He got his NW2 at your trial in Gunnison, Colorado, oh. at the museum, right? Okay. And so, so <laughs> was, this was back in. I don't remember that. Oh, I remember. It was it was a highlight of my one of his career, one of the highlights of his career, right? It was back in. Oh gosh, it was. Two, it
2: was- 2019 a much smaller black lab for you no he's my mini oh oh mini i don't think okay yeah he got overall pronounced on his but own. i don't think I, I was able to watch you do a search otherwise i'd
1: remember it little fluffy timid now he's 12 mm-hmm. years old one of the things that
0: i have always i don't think people appreciate that as an organizer of things most of the time you don't get the opportunity to sit around and watch a little because you're putting out the 500 mm-hmm. fires that
2: are happening behind you. Mm-hmm. Right. And even when you're watching. Yeah. Even when you're watching. You're, mm-hmm. It's still in the back of your head, yeah. right? You're still. Well, and the other thing that one of the reasons why I also began hosting so many trials was so that I could compete. It was yeah. pure A lot of it was purely selfish, which is. Which is fine. <laughs> it's fine. And probably a little egotistical, right? Which was I attend another trial and then I would get all twitchy about wanting to help with, oh, your flow could be better. Oh, I'll help (laughs) with the parking lot. And then I'm not focused on my dog. Right. So it takes me a lot more, even though my dog is extremely proficient and I can be in training very proficient, come trial day, it's really challenging for me to separate the host from the competitor, yeah. even when I have the most amazing team behind me, I it's extremely imagine. hard for me to let go of that, mostly because to me, it's my product. right? It, so if somebody even makes one little, it's not a control situation as much as it is, I want people to have that same smooth experience, right? Yeah. So, yeah. and it's taken me years to figure out how to do that. So we don't always go One trial, first place overall, first place and everything, go home, go for the next level. So it takes me a little bit longer to move up the ranks. But what I do is really make sure that my dog is developing in that trial experience. Yeah. And don't, I try as best I can not to make decisions for the dog. Yeah. Right. So it really is. And I think it was one of your last podcasts where Crystal, I think, was talking about. Teacher guided, student decided, and I turned that into I love that handler guided, dog decided, and it is my big mantra to keep handlers involved. Right, mm-hmm. know when you need to get your dog out of that pulling and trapping, mm-hmm. but for the most part, competition shouldn't become down to us taking a risk and making a decision for the dog if the dog doesn't have the skill set to make that choice. Yeah. Right, so yeah, totally, yeah, so. That's kind of been my experience and I'm getting better at it. Maybe, maybe Zeke is a toy, my first toy reward dog. And boy, Uh is that a trip and a half to try to (laughs) keep up with him. He's a very wonderful border collie and is way ahead of me all the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, from Robin's perspective, I mean, everything's like toy reward, right?
2: Yes. Yeah. I really worked hard to make sure I stayed in that realm this time because one, I want to avoid the calories. Two, I want to learn how to do this.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, I mean, I know for me, like I try to, I definitely incorporate it into my training. I have not yet incorporated it into trialing. Although I do usually have like, have the the a reinforcer on me for afterwards. So like prize, for instance, knows as soon as I say the finish word, she's like, oh, I know what's in your pocket. And it's a ball. I can't use it as a reinforcer in the search. Because it doesn't have a rope on it or anything, but she just literally just wants it in her mouth and carry it back to the van. Mm-hmm. That is her end of it's her toy to just take it back to the van and she's thrilled. In, in training, I can throw it and she'll mm-hmm. chase it and everything, but I can't, I don't have a toy reward to actually use in a trial at this point. But I find having that hybrid is actually really helpful.
0: So it's super exciting for me to see more nose work people looking at toy reinforcement and a lot of people think dogs just come with all of that innately built in and the dogs have a propensity either they like toys and they find toy playing with toys reinforcing but you actually have to build that and i use food and i use toys i actually do both because i can get more repetitions with food and then the toy reinforcement stuff tends to put a lot of my dogs over the top so their brains kind of check out for a second.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that, and that is kind of the challenge, right? Is getting, and especially when we're talking nose work where we can be under significant time pressure. And yeah, right. we may have hides in very close proximity, especially at the higher levels. So trying to build that, I think is actually where the challenge comes with for a reward. What is your experience, Jill? Like how, like, well, what have you how have you experienced that?
2: Yeah, I think that sometimes certainly as a instructor, right? And as a coach or a trainer, it's challenging to get the timing correct and that sort of thing with a student unless you can spend a good amount of time with them, that sort of thing. So you kind of have to have that student who's willing to adventure into that realm, yeah. So to speak. But boy, I couldn't applaud what Robin's saying more, which is we get a little bit too serious. In competition sometimes. And if we're just doing toy re- or food reward, mm-hmm. we really aren't playing. And the and the number of students I've asked for one session, can you bring the toys that you play with your dog with? I just want to do outside of nose work. I just want to do a session and um, play with your dog. Mm-hmm. Right. And can you play with your dog even for 15 minutes, once a day, every day. Mm-hmm. And the response that I get from a number of folks is my dog doesn't play. Mm -hmm. And it just breaks your heart because they do, but you just may not be recognizing what their play is, right? Yeah. Or you don't, you don't participate. Right. So the, it's the engagement of them playing with you. And of course I haven't had, this is Zeke is my first dog that I've introduced to agility. That's been a whole nother trip down. Oh yeah. (laughs) Kind of a crazy lane because again, I'm remote enough where I live yeah that any instruction i get is going to be youtube or some other kind of online course mm-hmm. given that how busy i am with my other endeavors and nose work so mm-hmm. the toy reward i just what happened was i started him out on primary in a box food yeah. right cuz he was only what 8 weeks old 10 weeks old mm-hmm. up through till he was probably 6 months of just having him hunt for food but at the same time i've always had Dogs that play, play with me. But the same time we were playing we were hunting for our frisbee in the bushes. we were hunting for a tug under the couch. We were hunting uh-huh. for little tennis balls wherever, right? So I still had all of those hunt plays going on with a toy. That is
0: so important. I think people underestimate the value of just hunting for food outside of odor or hunting for toy. And, you know, one of the things that it's been flashes, eight months old, that flashes my little Labrador retriever puppy that this weekend, she's eight and a half months old. We've, I've been doing toy and toy and toy and play development with her. And we set it up perfectly that just the odor of her toy pulled mm-hmm. her up onto a rubble pile so she mm-hmm. can to retrieve it.
1: Yeah, I saw the yeah. video. It was impressive. The yeah. Video. The,
0: yeah. And the confidence you can give to your puppies and your dogs who might be a little skittish, but it's not, they're not going to do it right off the bat. You have to put, build value into the toy and the fact that going and getting the toy means that you get to play with me. And caution 101 if your animal brings you back a toy, don't immediately snatch it out of their mouth. That's right. Pet them and tell them they're wonderful for bringing you a toy and let them hold it. Right. So anyway, okay. So yes, (laughs) exciting (laughs) on, on bringing toys into your... And so you're doing all of that with
2: your young dog. Right. Well, and so I think that what happens is we're all kind of aware of how to coach or how to instruct a student who may have... What they're telling you is a toy reward dog. Mm-hmm. And then how do we put all those pieces in place so that it continues to be productive yeah. for that team to remain as a toy reward dog, right? Because there's multiple facets that that can go off into, especially with pet dogs where we need to so be so cognizant of rewarding its source, right? And how do you do that with a toy? But so what happened with Zeke is I brought him home. His toy box was at the other end of what we were doing with primary and box, which was at that time was food. He ran through the boxes, went right to his toy box, pulled out a toy and started to to shake it. And I said, ta-da, there you go. I can't ignore the value of that toy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And since then, I do, like Robin was saying, use both because there may be times where actually I use my food to bring him down. Right. To bring him get his arousal down and focused mm-hmm. in a search. Like I've had a couple of uh, exterior searches where he went in and we don't have luscious green grass at my no. house.
1: Well, uh, in, in kind of in, in a big part of the state, you don't
2: exactly Holy have. Holy buckets. So he goes to, yeah, he goes to his first spring trials and there's this yeah. four inch grass. Yeah. And he just started eating grass the whole search. Okay. And I'm like, are we not going to search today? What are we doing? So. Yeah, I did not just put him on leash and take him around the search area. I just said, "Ah, training moment." I got a hole in my right, and I just took him out of the search. But we went home and really worked on it. And if I need to draw him off of that now, I just put a treat in front of his nose, mm-hmm. and sometimes he'll take it, sometimes he won't. But the odor coming into his nose that's different redirects okay. him to me. Okay. Then I can get him back to searching. So that's sometimes what I have to do, but. The toy has been really really fun. Yeah. I was telling Stacy that to get a good out, granted, this is a border collie who wants motion. So that's another thing that I found really helped because our hides don't move. Right. No. No, I don't hopefully. put a tin on top of a rabbit. <laughs> yeah. I can't put a tin on top of a rabbit, get the rabbit to run and get the yeah. dog to chase the rabbit, it was right? It's
1: like kind of when you accidentally set a hide and it starts to drive away because, you know.
2: Yeah, that's different, <laughs> yeah. right? <Van>? Yeah. <laughs> then you've done that, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yes, we have, yeah. right? And then yeah. we go, oh, that might be a fun way to do. Oh, no. Yeah. So what I did was I just took a bucket. His ball, His little tennis balls were very important at the time. And I just took a bucket of them, filled the whole bucket, I don't know, half full of tennis balls. Mm-hmm. He learned to catch. Then I put the bucket in front of him and told him drop. And as soon as he dropped, he, I caught another one, right? So it was okay. actually catch, catch to okay. begin with. Then when he started to drop to catch the second, it became a drop. Then it became an out. Uh-huh. And I just rapid fired, threw him in there. And now his out is almost instant. So
1: instead of like two toys,
2: 12 toys. Yes. Yes. 100 <laughs> toys. Exactly. Right. And now it turned into now it's the fleece tug that he we play with at, in uh, trial. So and his his out's good. It's actually OK. And OK is my bridge to go keep working. Yeah. So he drops it to go find another hide. So okay. that works. OK, yeah. and training that was very challenging. There's lots of stuff in there that you just can't explain. It's a whole nother podcast. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Probably, yeah. probably a good topic in there. A
1: good topic in there. So I want to get back to this whole like your hats mm. thing. You have you do have a lot of hats. So we we talked a little bit about the hosting. And by the way, I just mm-hmm. want to say I have found a site. I am I'm working on it. it. The process is so I'm getting confused, and I'm trying to like stay like mm-hmm. I'm to get organized. The organization process is really me, mm-hmm. but that's aside. You've got a lot of other hats too, because you're. I think are you. Well, I know you're a CEO, right? You're you're a certified yeah. mm-hmm. and I think you're also a judge at this point too. Yes, I am. So you've got that and you're an instructor. So you're kind of doing right. all of these different things. Tell us a little bit more about the certified instructor and the judge side. Sure. I'm sorry, the certified official. The certified Yeah, Yeah. Official, that's what so I'm as gonna... usual, what happens
2: with me is I drink the Kool-Aid and I start making gallons of it, right? I just can't get enough of it so mm-hmm. I embed myself pretty much in a process and yeah. the learning process I was initially working on trial site approval committee before COVID then COVID hit I have two other lives that kind of feed into a lot of what I do one is the medical administrator for a small clinic in Avon mm-hmm. so while I have two computers on my desk that are designated to dog business <laughs> I have one that is actually dedicated to the medical side of things, and uh, it just precluded during COVID as soon as March 9th happened in 2020. Yeah. I had to kind of say to NACSW, I can't do that any longer. So that started some of that other jobs for NACSW other than hosting and instructing. Yeah, And it was a very interesting process because not it taught me a lot about Uh, how to go out and get those facilities myself. Mm -hmm. Since then, we've also developed a whole mentor program for hosting. There's a mentor program for becoming an instructor. There's a mentor program for lots of other things. Mm -hmm. And then I just expressed interest in becoming a CO. And right about that time, NACSW developed their CO school, basically. So it wasn't just an invitation-only type thing it became an actual education arm that is really thriving and flourishing right now. And so they'll ask for applications and tell you what the criteria is. And the same with judging. So at the beginning, or back 10 years, 12 years ago, our judges are professionals. They come from the Robin Grubel side, which is we wanted to see a certain number of years that people were involved with uh, training their own dog, professionally running a scent detection dog, because then you would have that experience to be able to look at odor for purposes of judging rather than necessarily the dog or the handler, right? So the c- concept is that odor should behave pretty pretty standard from hide to hide, whether it's a person, right, or drugs or uh, accelerants versus birchanus clove, which is always so interesting. I always find that so interesting that we've basically offered our dogs an opportunity to understand that birchanus clove is wonderful. Yeah. Like why? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like why? Right. But as you learned in Amy's podcast, as to the why, it just sort of happened that way that that was what she chose on that given day to use as a as a training aid, and it has flourished since then. And I think that. Part of that was my real interest in just becoming more skilled. And sometimes you become more skilled by taking on that next level of credentialing. In my prior life, I also have a law degree. I practiced law in Eagle County for 13 years or something like that, family law. It was awful. But I would <laughs> make that confession. It just, the study of law is very fascinating. The practice of law for me was extremely non satisfying. The problems just, Day-to-day, you may solve one person's problems, but guess what? Then there's another one who needs your help. So it just didn't wasn't a good fit for me. And when I finally found my dog training group, I went, oh, yes, I can do this. So it made sense for me to kind of graduate from hosting and CNWI to also take on the responsibilities. And it really is a big responsibility to take on certifying official and judging. We brought in some of the CNWIs and COs to be able to apply to become a judge as well. We're going to see some real training going into that arm here shortly so that we end up with really kind of a cohesive standard. I don't like to say standard, standardization, standardization because that's a challenging qualifier for odor, right? (laughs) Odor is not standard. Yeah, (laughs) it does not do anything that's standard on any given day, any given moment. But just getting some concepts around how we can make those qualifications standardized so that you have consistency, so that people can sign up for an NACSW trial and understand what kind of consistency they're going to get in terms of what their dog's going to be measured on in terms of appropriate level what they're going to get judged on. Because even in my, the camp I just was in, even at a very high level training the summit teams, we still get that question. But what would the judge say if I called it here, right? <laughs> where am I going to get the yes? That's yeah. all I really want to know. Just show me where the yes zone um, is. And I'm there. And you're like, there is no yes zone. It's like, well, it's well <laughs> so. And that
0: consistency that you're talking about is, so incredibly important because we run into this on the working dog side of the house. When people are going up for certifications, the training and apprenticing of your certifying officials so that when you show up to do a cadaver or a narcotics dog test in Iowa under a particular organization, and then you're in Florida, it looks and feels like the same the criteria is at least the same
2: yeah right yeah and that's an apprentice process yeah yeah we do the same and even if after you've got people have to really come to understand that the certifying official nor is the judge judging you we're judging odor right Right. so so yes you could still have the hide that oh my word why did I set that hide Yes, I. my intent was to objectively measure X, Y, Z. What, for whatever reason, it did not do that on that given day, at that given moment, right? So then we say, sorry, guys, we had the hide that disappeared. So, and the challenge is that if you have handlers who are only competing and they're really not volunteering or putting themselves in a position where they can watch mm-hmm. a number of dogs over and over and over again, run the same hide and give different information, As time goes by and that hide changes, you really lose the ability and the appreciation of handlers to make that and say, okay, I may not have gotten that hide that day because it did this, Mm -hmm. but that still should tell us where our training hole is and give us some feedback and some resources to say, okay, how can I train so that my dog, and this is one of my huge mantras. My dog has an opportunity to experience because that is the first thing we all need to do and get our head around after the experience comes the learning and the training, right? But the first thing we do is provide our dog with an opportunity to experience. And if, and that's that whole hide placement piece, right? So if they're just, if a handler is just taking classes from someone else, who's constantly setting their hides, doing all that spoon feeding right of what odor does and did you see that in your dog yeah yeah i saw that i saw that and then they go in trial they still haven't really acquired the understanding of what odor does and that's
1: it's exploratory right it's a little bit yeah a little exploratory and yeah and it takes it takes a lot of a lot of hours well and then when i get
2: really geeky about it and talk about molecules in motion and do we really understand <laughs> yeah. what essential oils are doing when they come out of their barrier and enter the big universe? Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. and that can be enlightening too because at least it gives this concept that you have to be a life-long student. Yeah. You have to accept. It's, it's deceivingly. It looks deceivingly deceiving. simple. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. It looks yes. so easy mm-hmm. to the uninitiated and uneducated eye right
2: yes well and the human who has no olfactory system in comparison <laughs> yeah well
1: I, I definitely like my olfactory system just is ridiculously poor and actually we saw some recent examples of that ridiculously poor and i just you know it is kind of amazing right that and humans as humans we're like we, we can't comprehend it i always talk about it's like, like a different realm right it's like a like a or a different dimension or something like the dogs have like this whole different world that they're experiencing Mm -hmm. through searching with a dog it's like they're kind of opening those curtains right and they're allowed to have like some like a vision into something that we can't experience but it's so i think a lot of times people assume that it's more simple than it is because it's like well it's right here under the chair like the dog should have been able to find it and they're not realizing what Odor is doing. And I think I think that's what your point is, is like if you don't take the opportunity to really watch this and really kind of come in with kind of that open learning mindset, it's really, you're kind of behind the eight ball in terms of just even handling your own dog.
2: Well, and I think that's where some of those overhandling pieces come in, right? So then we flip the side of that and say, okay, so, I mean, I guess one of our our cautions is and Amy Hero said this kind of repeatedly this past week about to almost all the campers is anytime you get in your head always or never, you are doing a disservice to you, you and your dog yeah. In searching for an odor. And in our universe, that's going to be so variable, right? So we were going to make a t-shirt that said, don't never, or <laughs> never always, Yes. something like that. So that it's not always follow your dog. It's not never intrude your, in guide your dog, right? So that's why I love that handler guided dog decided because basically that's kind of how we learn to search with our dog. I mean, that's, that's the whole basis of it really. Yeah. So really fascinating though, to watch people who are NACSW camp. So it's actually a dog's, of course, who is a separate organization with Dana kreveling She hires basically NACSW instructors to come in and and do the teaching. But it was really encouraging to see the saturation of students. Right? They they come to camp probably a lot like your your camp. Your uh, what is it? Distractor camp, right? That once somebody signs up for that, it's I'm I'm all into the saturation piece. Just give it to me. Let me learn. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah. We do we do like five, four and a half days and it is it's like a deep dive and yeah for the whole curriculum and everything yeah 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 yeah. it is pretty incredible when you can just kind of set that side of t- that time aside and just
2: well and what's really fun is i get to turn around in colorado beginning of october so i get to go to colorado camp and be a student and be the student yeah. oh, now i get to say so lovely i want to go with my dog <laughs> i'm going to be a camper now So, and that's, it. sometimes that's a little hard for me, right? Get off that judge hat, get off the CO hat. Don't think about high placement, right? Other than how it relates to me as a handler.
1: So that's in October?
2: Yep. That's the first week in October. So
1: the the weather that you're going to experience is probably drastically different than what you just had in Pennsylvania.
2: Oh my word. It was so hot. I don't think I've ever sweat. It was like a sweat box the whole time.
1: Yeah, you guys just had like like this heat wave.
2: 90% humidity and like 80%
1: temperature. Oh, yeah. It kind of reminds us of Destruction Camp 1 where we had what we right. had,
2: What did we have? We, we had a heat. It was, it was 105
0: heat index. Yeah, it was crazy nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It, it was, was yeah. terrible. Yeah. And just managing the dogs and in that yes. weather. Yes. Managing the humans in that weather. Mm-hmm. I mean... And what odor does in 105 degree heat and 99% humidity. And it's just interesting.
2: Yeah. Right. One of my really fun things I like to talk about is how odor changes in Colorado. Oh. So as I bring in yes. COs, right, it's entirely different from where they're coming from. And especially my early trials in March, when we they can be going out to set hides and it is yeah, 25 30 degrees so they understand cold most of them understand cold but you've got cold elevation and dry environment so now it's dust in the wind is what odor will do as opposed to nice little lump molecules landing on stuff
1: right you go out and it's warmer and then all of a sudden you have dry climate high elevation and you have sun right yes
2: yes you are closer to the sun yes
1: yeah yeah you are a lot closer to the sun and that odor just goes
2: right in the air. Yes. 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 So then as a, and granted, when you train and teach, you can adapt a little bit better understanding of that. So if I go to CO on the coast, either coast, yeah, well, I have to be a little more guided with, okay, yeah. what what's my odor going to do here, guys? Is it going to like, am I going to have pulling and trapping? Like, Oh yeah, yes, yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> and then how do I plan for that? Right. Versus in Colorado, I have to say, okay, I need more containment
1: closer to like source. Like I need odor to actually be available. Well, yeah. But I
2: want a little pocket, right? So <laughs> a little pocket. So then I at least get some tendrils, some pathways coming out that a dog can follow.
1: Yeah. Well, it was it was interesting because when I went to the Gunnison Summit, because you you were the that was a wonderful yes. trial, by the way. Yeah, we had a, we had a blast. Clearly.
2: Yes,
1: clearly. (laughs) Clearly. But the very first search. So Powder hadn't searched in that climate.
2: Was that the buses?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You saw her first search, but she hadn't... The buses, oh my God. So she hadn't searched in that climate since her very first elite trial ever, which was Estes Park, also your trial. Right. And so it had been that long since she had searched in that climate. So she's coming in. And just to give everybody a little bit of background, we had it was our very first summit search together as a team we had eight school buses kind of they they were parked pretty much next to each other and six minutes unknown number of hides so we're coming in as our very first summit search now she had just been coming off of like this streak of like finding every her last two elite trials she had a 96 and a 100 i mean she had she was one three out of four of her final and all the candy she was doing amazing mm-hmm. right So I come in from there, but it was all coastal trials. It was all humid. Mm -hmm, It was mm -hmm. all low, low altitude, low elevation. Yeah. So we get to Colorado, we're in the search and Powder is like, she's like, there's odor everywhere, mom. Yeah, she's she's,
2: yeah, and there was.
1: Yeah, and she's getting into the wheel wells and I'm like, honey, I can't call any of this. And she's searching. Finally, I'm like, listen, I'm trying to pattern this. I'm going around. I'm like, this is not working. I'm like, Powder, all right, go. So- She's like, hey, mom, I know the way, right? She takes me over this one school bus alerts. I get a yes. I'm like, oh, thank God. So, but we're still all over the place and the time's running out. And And after that,
2: she's trying as hard as she can to say, there's nothing more here that you're going to pay me for. Getting into the wheel wells. And I'm like, ah. And then the funny thing is, so then
1: I call finish and I'm leaving and I know you, I think you were the video, the timer or the video. I was,
2: I was doing something because I watched the whole thing. <laughs> and
1: I just remember saying, Oh, she worked hard. And I'm like, She shared it. I'm walking out. And at first, something like, I don't know, honey. I think the climate's like having, having a field day with us. But what's actually interesting is I accidentally turned my GoPro back on as I'm walking back and I recorded yes. my conversation to myself yeah, as yeah. I'm walking back. And I had this transition away from, Oh, honey, that was hard to. I think there was only one hide out there, Powder.
2: Exactly. Knocked it out. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And yeah. it was this transition and there was only one. But that- yeah, and having experienced that at Summit, because Summit is that next leap, right? It is more searching, less finding, period. So sometimes when you have that experience coming in where you, it was a leap, where mm-hmm. it was, and we got to remember that every time our dog gets a hide, it is a huge reward for the handler. In oh, yeah. competition. oh yeah, but We become very addicted to that nine-second high mm-hmm. and very addicted to yeah. that, especially in elite where you mm-hmm. go, alert, yes, alert, yes, alert, yes, alert, yes. Yeah. Oh, this is great. Alert, yes, alert, yes. Yay. This is so fun. Even if you only get four hides in a search, you still feel very gratified, very skilled, very, oh, we know what we're doing. So then you go into the summit search and it's like two, three minutes. Before your dog can even give you information yeah. sufficient for you to go, do we have a hide? Right. And you come out and you and feel that's the up. Big, that's the big yeah. difference is you've got to have the stamina to stick with a problem. So there's still a sustained hunting. There's still problem solving. But now it's a whole nother level of dog tenaciousness to work on a problem without the handler making the decision to leave the problem. Yeah, because I did that with Digger a lot and our early summits were very challenging and you get in there and the handler just becomes so addicted mm-hmm. to the alert. Yes, that we get so twitchy. Digger would work for a minute and a half on a particular problem. And I see dogs do this all the time and handlers would go, okay, well, we got to move on and try to get some low hanging fruit here right? So the strategy going into Summit has to be entirely different. You have to rip off the band-aid. You've got to say that now, we used to say elite. We wanted elite to replicate more the working dog and what Robin does, which is potentially go out there and search for an entire day, an entire day, and not find (laughs) what they're looking for, which in some cases, that's good. In some cases, that's really good for you well, yeah robin
1: does explosive detection she doesn't want to find anything
2: right uh, yeah i don't want to find anything <laughs> and then on the other hand for the dog and the team so we've taken the sport now attempted to replicate what the working dog does but also created this high rewardable activity yeah. that is highly rewardable to both the dog and the handler and then the handler just can't handle it when we kind of take it back down to, oh, guess what? You're only going to have one hide, but I want you out there searching. So the challenge there really was how many teams could call it at, after getting one hide without going on for six minutes. Yeah. Right. And you know what?
0: We run into this exact same problem in my world because as trainers and handlers, we'll put out six hides Mm -hmm. and we expect. And you let them sit for 30 minutes because that's the requirement. And then you just run them one right after the other. Boom, 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 boom. Because Mm -hmm. that's, oh, then I can check a box because I got my training done. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but it's not anything like realistic searching. And then what ends up happening is when you actually are deployed and you're out there for 20 minutes to a half an hour and the dog runs into nothing, they actually don't have that mental muscle either along with. The right. handler, yes. to be
2: able to withstand it, yes. yeah, absolutely, yep. And I think that part, what we see too, is because we come up through the ranks, if you will, I always call it that, right, which is coming from ORT primary, actually, which is food or toy, starting out without even any odor, and then up through elite champion to get into summit, and all of that hat is it, we've got like hours and hours and hours of rewardable instances Mm -hmm. right and so then it's like how do you make that shift to enjoy and find the joy in searching and not finding and I think it often comes after you leave the search (laughs) like just like what happened to you where you're like oh my God I mean I got a second place in a summit with Digger because we weren't finding and I went oh for heaven's sakes I'm not leaving you out here to dry I'm calling finish and leaving and we got second place (laughs) (laughs) because I made that decision quicker than other people.
1: It was, but it was the climate that had me with a question mark because she hadn't been in that climate and she had been so reliable. But then I went to my next search, right? Which we had a range of four to 11. I've never heard of that before. And all of a sudden she's fine and hides tick, 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 tick. At that point, I knew, I knew we were fine.
2: Right, right. Well, and as CEOs, we love to, we want to keep throwing stuff at you that you haven't seen before. And I haven't. know. And I'm like, four to 11. Right. I don't want you really coming in going. And we did this at the very beginning in Elite. As soon as they announced Elite, we went, okay, we don't have to worry. There's only a max of eight hides. And somebody said to us, well, how have you figured that out? And I go, well, because it's on the score sheet. There's only eight lines. Right. And Jean Richardson said, well, that's kind of wacky because guess what I can do? And she just drew a line right down the middle and said, now I've got 16. What are you going to do about that? And I went, that's
0: awesome. Okay.
2: (laughs) So that's kind of what we want to make sure that we're still doing. I think NACSW is an organization. We don't want to get it so pigeonholed that people are coming in. It, NW3 is a good example, right? Oh, and that's this, been changing a lot lately. Whoa. So me thought I was on top of things in turn, as a competitor, right? Come in with Zeke, and now any search can be blank. I'm oh like, yeah,
1: I remember that. I remember that. Yeah.
2: And I can get two no's in a search. I was having a heck of a time. Reading him as any search could be blank, which shouldn't be a problem, right? The dog's not finding. I know what his cues are. I should just confirm that he's a good dog and he hasn't found anything. (laughs) shouldn't be an issue. Then the the two no's, that's what really threw me because in Elite, if you get a no, I was always close and I watch people and typically if they're going to call a no, the dog is very close, Right. It was pooling and trapping. It's usually or was, a fringe, yeah. It's usually yeah. A fringe. Or there was some, yeah. It was close converging and blah blah blah. But it at NW three. If your dog called, if you get a no, I was so used to just leaving. It took me like three trials maybe before I would stay in because <laughs> wow. I had no comprehension that oh, I still get another no. Why would you do that?
1: <laughs> but the, the level oh. <laughs> itself seems to really be changing in terms of what they're setting. Yes. It's gotten a lot harder in the last maybe nine months or so. Well,
2: if you look at the continuum, if you look at the continuum when we first started and there was no elite. Yes. And initially there really wasn't even an NW3 elite. They didn't have you even getting three threes. You just sort of stopped when you got your first NW3, right? Yeah, I started NW3 in 2015. And then that competitive... Contingency put so much pressure on the organization to say, wait, we're just in the midst of getting these highly trained dogs. You can't cut it off now. Create another level. Come on, you can do it. You can do it, right? So then they create NW3 Elite where you had to get three threes. So when we did that, then you had to have more consistency amongst those threes. You didn't want, right? You didn't want one to be easy, one to be challenged. You kind of want some consistency. So that built some consistency there. Then we get all these NW three elites, and it was like, "Oh, we gotta have another level! Come on, we have highly trained models. You have to create another level. Put the peer pressure on. They create a leap. Now we have this level here that's going to measure whatever we're deciding it's going to measure, and we knew we had to lower some of those skill sets down to three, so that you would end up training some of those skill sets earlier. Now we've got Summit created for the same exact reason." Because at the end of 2017 Nationals, we went, oh my God, we've all got elite champion dogs. Come on, Amy, Jill, and Ron, you cannot deprive us of another level. (laughs) So they created Summit. And now Summit's taking on more of that. This is more searching, far less finding. We're going to make it more the stamina piece, right? Stamina and, and higher problem solving. For the dog and having the handler recognize and give them the freedom to work that that problem solving. And so now we had to trickle some skill sets down to elite, down to three, down to two, right? So now you're, yes, so two, and we're going to get better about using our potentials in the rule book because we've never excluded anything. Right. You just never saw it. We just didn't take it on as a kind of a consistency, right? So now we want to say, we're going to do fruits, vegetables. What is it? Fruits, vegetables, toys, and meat. Those are our distractors, right? So we want to be certain that we're not just putting in the tiniest piece of cracker and calling it a distractor because then you really haven't. Oh my gosh. Pickles. Yeah. Pickles and Cheetos. Yeah, there you go. Those could totally be. Yeah. Yeah. This This
0: year at Distraction Camp, it was Cheetos got everybody. Last year, it was pickles. Yeah.
2: And it's, it's just, just that weird, just that novel odor, right? So if you haven't introduced it, and for me, it's still grass. It's really not what's in the box. It's still,
1: what's So class. as far as the levels, I mean, they had announced last year that they're going to be putting together something for elite champions.
2: Yes. Yeah, so that will be the one day trial called elite champion. And so then we'll still have, and of course, when you're talking to me about levels as a host, I typically do not fill my trials. I try very hard to come out and support you as often. I know, which is fine by me because I have so many of them. And I would rather have that. It's much easier on a host side than to have 100 people sitting on my wait list, right? That I have to then manage. And then I just would feel bad that that many people didn't get an opportunity. So the switch up will be having that one day. The priority entry will be the elite champion, the dog that has achieved elite champion with in mind that we wanna make it so that, we also have the specialty trial, the elite champion select or the elite select, right? So some of those are created so that we have the older dog who has acquired this wonderful skill, say anywhere from seven to 12 years old, maybe they've gotten beyond that and still able to endure a trial day, but to also kind of include that realm, right? Because again, now you've got a skilled dog they certainly can just play for an activity. There's nothing that says they can't go out and have fun.
1: But it's hard to put that kind of dog into a summit trial if they have, because it does test stamina. And if people don't have any other options, and they want to play with their dog, they want to play with their dog.
2: Yeah, and you don't want to take your 12 year old out there, have them work themselves to death, and not find, find anything. Eight school buses, and hopefully find one with uh-huh. you know? yeah. yeah, and feel satisfied for the day. So, yep. So that'll be created, and then at two requiring level two to get two NW2 titles. So that'll be coming down, right? That'll be coming down the pike at some point too.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that that hasn't been announced, I don't think. But So we were talking about it at camp
2: and I think they kind of t- tossed that around. It may still be in the, yeah, let's think about this, but it really would make sense because if we got to look at the gaps between them, right? So you really would like people entering that next level prepared. So what are the gaps, and then of course increasing the value of our distractors in our interior or in our container searches. Um, That's going to happen in January. Love it. So stuff like that, yeah. That sounds like the whole
0: concept of driving skills down lower. Yes. In which always brings to, to mind the whole adage that advanced trainers or master trainers always work on the fundamentals. Yes because that's what drives all the rest of it.
2: I think on the flip side, one of the concerns is that will folks spend too much time training up, right? So then right. they aren't really training, because I did see that with Zeke a lot. I was, I have elite summit classes, so he was running the hides after all of my students, kind of as just so I would have some training for him. And then I'd go into an NW3 search Zero to three hides, and he's just going, well, well, why aren't there 10 hides in here or five hides in here? I, this is in just right. too much time spinning. So I actually had to just set up for him ad nauseum zero to three, zero to three, zero to three, zero to three. So now his expectation is, and I'm getting a much better read when he's done instead of having him just, There's got to be more. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. Right. right. So flip side, there's both gives and takes. One is, And I think, too, that what we don't want to do across the board, I don't care what as trainers or what venue we're looking at, is get to the point where we are defining the skills in a sentence, right? So the rule book just says you may have, this is what you may, right? Encounter, blah, blah, blah. We don't
1: need to be so prescriptive that we take all the flexibility out of it.
2: It does. And I think that folks won't be out there experiencing nose work with their dog, for the state of knows work or train outside of it
1: right because it's like this whole we, we talk about like overtraining right like is something that i personally embrace a lot it's like this is so this is the the thing that we're testing at this level but that shouldn't be the top of what i'm training right, right. Yes. so yeah so distractions for instance so our right. distraction camp i mean the lineup that we had i think it was distraction camp one even I mean, we had things like we had some nasty stuff we pulled out of the handler house. We had a dead squirrel. We had the back end of a mouse. We had, I think, itch panties. What else did we have
2: Well, just having to go to Robin's farm and search with chickens. Oh, oh yeah. Well, we yes. searched
1: inside the
2: chicken coop. With the the <laughs> eight well, it's an eighty chickens.
0: That I mean that the, the yeah. chicken coop is like the ultimate, yeah. it's like graduation, right? Yeah, Graduate dog is searching because there's 80 chickens in the chicken house. Just the smell alone. Yeah, when I can walk into the chicken house, I'm like, ha, huh, chickens. I can't imagine what the dogs
2: are smelling. Right, especially dog who does never seen or smell the chicken.
1: So we had this other thing we called it the the baked potato challenge in the donkey barn. Yes, right, Robin. And then we had like this, like in the and
0: barn. that was that was two. That was level two that we that did. That was the baked level potato two.
1: It was the the manure was out. And this was based off of an experience that, that Robin kind of experienced. And there was a yeah, warm baked potato open, right? Cut open, kind of pooched out with the aluminum foil sitting on top of the hay bale. And
0: it was in tin foil, which was basically like this whole look at me thing.
1: Yeah. So the dog goes, what mm-hmm. the heck is that? Yeah. Right. And I, I ran it with prize at the end and that was actually moments before i sprained my ankle and to see your dog go in and go oh hey that's weird okay and keep searching all right i'll manure it with an open baked potato right if you can do that you can go to a trial and be
2: like <laughs> right no, but i no do problem. think that what we need to do as coaches and instructors is talk about distractors from a foundation level on up and so that's kind of I just did a web i just did a in-person uh, workshop for my grand junction crew. And I kind of put the seed, planted the seed that it was going to be distractors in preparation for our container distractors. When in actuality, it was, let's talk about our foundation of distractors. That meaning people, everything, people, floors. Do you have a good foundation in your dog coming into an environment and dealing with the natural distractions first? Then we'll graduate up to. Maybe the manure, that would be right, or the P-zone, those sorts of things. Then we'll graduate up to the intentional, softer, intentional distractors in the container, then maybe higher value. Then we'll get to the baked potato. So don't go out and try the baked potato right away, guys, because if you haven't, if you haven't done this progression, because to me, the progression of any skill that we are working on is so important. When I try to just, no matter what, get people to start. And if they see anything along the way, right, that goes, okay, I handler, I'm responsible 24-7 for my dog's training. And if I don't accept that, they're training me. So I am responsible. I need to make sure that my dog came into that hay bale, saw the baked potato, got free lunch, went over to eat the baked potato. (laughs) that no maybe I want to take my open box hide and put it before 10 feet 15 feet away from the baked potato (laughs) get a hide right right (laughs) and
0: and it's the whole process in order to be able to do that stuff you know to bring back what we were talking about before with the reinforcement system which is the toy or the food Yes, that's got to be built and you don't Ask them to search over the top of hot dogs, baked potatoes, mouse butts, and chicken poop all in at,
1: right at once. And give them one cookie for it.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and pay them one cookie. And it's the building of you guys are, are I'm kind of jealous because you have the opportunity with your, your titling system to push those skill sets that people yes. are. The human end of the leash is now getting reinforced for training earlier yes. in, in the titling process so that by the time you get to Summit, the dog has the skills and resiliency to be able
2: to do it. Right. And of course, really utilizing coaching and instruction so that handlers are willing to accept that, right? Because I think we still often see that where they get too focused on the ribbon. Focused on the title. I got a four-second search. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And don't understand the value of that training that we did do at ORT. And containers is a whole nother example, right? Learning to do large number of containers in a pattern off-leash. You introduce off-leash, and that and we can always have an NW search container search off-leash. Typically, we don't do it because it's not got a safety, but we I could. Haven't.
1: I've seen off-leash options at Elite containers. Yes, but we couldn't do it at three.
2: And then the thing is too, when I have students who say to me, Elite doesn't have container searches. Oh. And I try to explain to them that so some of it does start with the facility, right? It really does start with the host. So the the facility I have and what can I get it approved for. What reasonable kind of searches can we do in there? Is it overloaded with interiors and I have less of open big spaces that I can do containers in? So you try to explain that to CO. It's really not you going in there and saying, oh, I don't like doing container searches, so I'm not going to do it. It's does the host, did the host bring enough containers for me to do an elite container search, right? Do I have a space that's conducive for an elite level container search or summit so yeah you know. so and at our lower levels we have certain specifics that we have to do for elements so it, at level 1 it's a vehicle search a container search an exterior and interior those are mandatory one hide so you're looking for facilities that can do that right then we get up to two, we're adding one more search and we can that can be any one of those four to create five searches, get to level three. Now we're at six searches. And we've had to reiterate to people, those six searches technically under the rule book could have three hides in every single one. I could even have multiple zeros. Well, no, Well, wait, I
1: thought I only have one blank though.
2: Or right. That... So you can have any one search be blank on any one trial day. Right, but now we've seen multiple
1: searches with three hides at NW three, and up until this year, I had never seen that. I've literally, I'm like on my sixth nose. We know,
2: and that's why we have to be more cognizant and more b- willing to be do variables because. And I'm prey to that too, right? I would count my hides, and I would go, well, I reached ten hides. I reached nine hides, so this next search can't have more than blah blah blah. Well, that's not what we're measuring. So why were we becoming so standardized in what we were setting?
0: That well, that's the whole. We as humans love our patterns. Yes, we think we're not being patterns, doing patterns. A lot of the times we are, mm-hmm. and it's not making sure that what you're setting up isn't formulaic.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: Right. So that requires your certifying officials and everybody else to actually be more imaginative. Yes. On setting things up.
2: Right. Within certain parameters. And then again, that falls back to what is the facility? What am I doing for my facility? Where am I going? What do they have available for me? Right. Right. Because we still want to keep in things like line of sight. I want my dog safely to be able to get in and out one dog at a time. Right. We open our venue for react dog to dog reactive dogs. So I I'm in my crew and myself are very specific about when we set our flow patterns, how to get people in and out of that search area without having to cross paths with another dog, period. It's not only safety, your our dogs are working darn hard. And I don't think humans appreciate sometimes because they make it look so wonderful and so simple. I don't think we appreciate the energy that it takes for the dog to go in there and find even one hide of Birch Anis or Clove. Right. So that's another thing, right? So our venue is really not one of those like where you're going to set up a venue of multiple different dog sports under one arena. Oh yeah, no. And half then you have to have kind of these lines right i can remember doing dock diving with my dog and the line that was created just to get your turn <laughs> yeah oh uh-huh. lord and all these dogs are just good yeah. in that line and i'm swear digger became reactive because of that in there and i never had any cognizant that that's what i was doing to him but anyway
0: all right ladies uh we could probably talk for another two hours but yeah, but one of the things that we really like to do is to ask for takeaways at the end of our chat. And so Stacey, do you have your takeaway? I do. And we will we'll let you go last.
1: We'll let you go last so you can think about it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So my takeaway is really about the progression of skills and how thinking about building on your skills layer upon layer upon layer. And if you start to think about what you like training for excellence rather than training for that level, that that's going to get you to where you need to go. So, so that's my takeaway for this.
0: Okay. Yeah, you took mine, but Sorry. other than, <laughs> that's okay. being really jealous about the fact that what we tend to have in the working dog world is here's your certification and you're done. Mm-hmm. and so people often we train to a test, yeah and the jealousy that i have for the fact that the nose work system has built in with the titling system the ability to push the skill levels where you need them to be is yeah that's my whole i'm
2: jealous factor jill what's your takeaway so my takeaway would be it takes a village and i don't mean to like Beat that phrase to death, but we just talked about all the way from just stepping out and being a handler and deciding you want to do Noah's work, all the way through the continuum of actually being a host and getting a facility, hiring a CEO, also becoming, being a judge or what your responsibilities are as a judge, all the way to the end to where your handlers can come and have an event where they can take the skills. And measure, I like to use measure instead of test because I like to get out of my handler's heads. Their life does not depend on this. Working dogs, yes. So you can, and I often call what we do for a title as a certification, right? So placements are where you can just go gaga if you want to be real competitive and go get placements, that's your bag. But otherwise, it's really just a certification of level one, two, three elite summit, that sort of thing. And it really takes a village. NACSW has done an amazing job of not trying to overmanage any one part of that. They have an education program. You can accept it. You can reject it. You can take parts of it or pieces of it. You can run with it. You can make a business off of it. All the way to even hosting. I am a private organization. I am not a club. I am a for-profit organization, not a club. right? So it gives me the ability to make a a revenue off of events and then let the product speak for itself in terms of whether people want to engage in my event over other events. And then I think the last thing is we end up with these amazingly skilled dogs because of all of what Robin just said of really seeing those skill sets come down the levels, move up the levels, and. It's just one of those organizations that the resources are boundless and the encompassing we'll take care of you is everywhere. So I just, yeah, that's my takeaway. It takes a village. Excellent. Jill, thank you so much for
0: spending this time with us.
2: You're very welcome. Thank you so much.
0: I don't do nose work and I am excited to see some of the stuff that you were talking about that hasn't even been released yet because it's going to be so great for the handlers. So thanks to all of our listeners for paying attention and tuning in every week. And go train. Canine Detection Collaborative. We appreciate the time you spend with us. If you liked this episode, not only should you follow us so you don't miss the next one, but please also rate and review us in your favorite podcast app. For info on collaborating with us, go to k 9 Collaborative.com. That's k number 9 detectioncollaborative.com, where you can find our socials and pick up our latest monthly freebie. Join us again to
2: talk training in the next episode.